Hey, are you into werewolves, mad scientists, and a little bit of witchcraft? Then stay tuned for an all-new episode of Watch Corner. We're riding this train straight into the sun. Woo! Tune in to a classic episode of Watts Corner on the Seltzer Kings Network. Available on all podcast platforms. VH Investigations, Part 2. An original audio fiction written and performed by Dave Bledsoe was a part of the What the Hell Were You Thinking podcast Spooktacular 2023. Copyright 2023. All rights reserved. This is part two of a two-part presentation. If you have not listened to the first part, please go back one episode in your podcast feed and listen to part one before continuing. Weehawken, New Jersey, 1993, an off-the-book bar called Finnegan's Wake. The bar is a smoke-filled dive, but in a bad way. Two men are speaking at the bar when they are joined by an unexpected guest. The guest is not a man, nor is it alive, and it comes with information. ourselves to blame. Ethan told me as the three of us sat at the bar. After the Black Plague, we got sloppy. I mean, it wasn't our fault. The, so many humans died during it, but it got harder to keep a steady food supply as the population thinned out. We'd always been too concentrated in Europe anyway. Something about the weather, I think. I was now pretty drunk. I mean, meeting a real vampire will do that to you, so I Probably wasn't as diplomatic as I should have been when I said something along the lines of, <laughs> that's probably because that's where all those gothic castles are there, right, Drac? And Ethan, he got pretty offended by that. And he said, now I will have you know that that is a particularly nasty racial slur in our community. Bram Stoker was a vicious racist and set our people back centuries with his lies and propaganda, he snapped. Which is how I learned that vampires are what kids today would call woke, I guess. The point is, Ethan went on, still sounding slightly offended, we decided there needed to be some rules by which we could all agree to operate within. Just as one of us could easily wipe out an entire village, and if, and if we went about doing that, you humans were going to notice 
which is what happened any number of times when one of us didn't abide by the agreement. The agreement, Bernie said, is simple. Keep out of sight, drink, don't kill, live in the shadows, and live forever. That, uh, that sounds logical, I said, still not really getting it. No, it doesn't. I mean, you can't die. You're already dead or whatever. So, so what are you worried about? If I'd been sober, I, I might have phrased that better. Ethan smiled and he said, We can be killed. There are exponentially more of you than there are of us. And whenever one of us gets out of control, it always ends up the same. Pitchforks and torches. I thought about that, letting it slosh around my Jameson brain, and I said, Oh, yeah, that makes sense, even though it didn't. You can see why we need you. Or rather, people like you, Ethan said. Oh, sure, I mean, sure, I get it. I didn't, I was utterly lost. That's where we come in, Bernie said. We're the people who make sure the ones who don't abide by the agreement get taken care of. Well... Why don't you just do it? I ask Ethan. Seems like you people are far better suited than people like us, you know, like people, to kill your kind of people. You know, that sort of thing. Oh, we don't kill one another. If we started doing that, pretty soon there'd be none of us left, Ethan replied. There are billions of you. There are thousands of us. We live forever or near enough anyway side and we hold grudges and grudges breed feuds and feuds breeds war and if we went to war with one another he spread his long fingered hand pretty soon no more vampires so we got together hammered out the agreement and stipulated that when one of us wasn't in accordance with the agreement we would subcontract the work to people like you, who had been doing that sort of work for centuries. It's all very complicated and not a little mystical. None of us really understands how you people work. We just know that you do. Better you work for us than against us. See? Now, the rest of that night was a little hazy. I mean, if you discover a race of blood-sucking creatures of the night aren't just works of 19th century fiction... See how sober you stay. Bernie and Ethan said some shit about bloodlines and secrets and how they're important to keep the agreement in place and how after Stoker's novel, everyone involved had decided to go deeper underground. Honestly, it was just a lot. And it took me a couple of years to learn everything. But that's the short, short version of how I wound up parked outside a warehouse in Brooklyn in the middle of the night about 30 or so years after that. So that's how I came to work for VH Investigations. It was well paid, but fucking dangerous. Come to find out, vampires were never a mica monolithic community. The whole Euro-vamp thing is very colonial in nature. And while the Western vampires had all the money, the vampires from the rest of the world had their own opinions about how things ought to work. Since the early 20th century, Things were a little more inclusive and peaceful. Some kind of profit-sharing agreement had been worked out with the Denzians of the less affluent regions of the world. And by and large, 
The community was adhering to the agreement, live in the shadows, live forever. The problem was, very young vampires, the Gen Z vampires, if you like, didn't like the agreement. They felt their generation was being cut out of the best hunting grounds and a large part of the profits that came with eternal life and a large inheritance weren't exactly flowing to them at the rate that they thought it should. This wasn't a particular problem for me. A young vampire could be dealt with by any investigator. That's how I cut my teeth, pardon the pun, because they lack decades or centuries of cunning and the powers that came with longevity so I could deal with them accordingly. Even the youngest vampires do not die easily. And even when you're working with the latest 21st century high-powered vampire killing techniques, it ain't Buffy out there, kids, and the stakes in the heart don't just dust shit. But compared to an old one, these young ones, well, they're a piece of fucking cake. Because the old ones... The vampires who predated the modern agreement had centuries to get powerful, and they were extremely hard to kill, even for a seasoned professional such as myself, and the Russians were the fucking worst. All the Western European vampires, even the Romanian ones, still had to deal with the Catholic Church and some well-established governments even in the small defined areas that made up most vampire hunting grounds. So they couldn't just go kill willy-nilly without attracting some kind of attention. But the Russian vampires, with that huge ash Eurasian landmass and a central government that never really penetrated in deep into the interior for most of Russian history, they could just run fucking wild through a population. They were bad news, and they were hard to kill. When the sun just started to peek up above the horizon, I finally got out of the Vic. Groaning, I went to the trunk and I popped it. I spun the wheels on Grandpa Abe's leather case. Because, hey, family traditions, right? I opened it up and pulled out my Colt 1911 pistol and chambered around. Now... A gun would do fuck all against a vampire, but a big 45 was damn useful against the Rennies. We called them Rennies after Bram Stoker's Renfields, you know, the humans that vamps use to protect them against people like me. For the vampire, I had a 10-point Nitro 505, AccuSlide caulking, reverse draw design, state-of-the-art technology for sending a wooden shaft Never use plastic composite with a silver arrowhead at nearly bullet speed into the heart of the undead. Now, wooden stakes don't kill vampires, but they do do a damn good job of knocking them down. And for the finisher, well, I don't want to spill trade secrets, but a browning shock and tomahawk, 10.5 inches with a head of 2.75 inches and a curved penetration spike for light breaching, Ugh, it makes a great head spike, and the handles are forged from a piece of 1055 high-carbon steel and covered in black epoxy, coating for corrosion resistance and low glare, and it does a wonderful job on a vampire neck. Then, I pulled out the spray bottle of garlic and olive oil and began to liberally spray it all over my body. Vampires are allergic to garlic, and they will do almost anything except die to keep away from it. 
See, I told you. I explained why Bernie smelled like the bathroom of an olive garden. Then I picked up my gasoline can and walked towards the warehouse. I'd watched the place for a week. At first, it was some well-placed ring cameras. Amazon has a deal with a firm for that kind of equipment. Fuck, for all I know, Bezos might be a member of the executive committee. Then, I had a little commercial drone that hovered just above the roof. And over that time, I'd seen how my job entered and exited. He went out the vent at the top of the building. Going out at sundown, he'd feed on some hapless homeless person. The kind of person that no one ever missed or even know were missing. And then, he'd slip back in just before sunrise, which he just had a few minutes ago. I chose a Sunday morning because that's when it was most likely to have empty streets. Even in this part of Brooklyn, New York City is filled with fucking people. The side door I chose was locked with a chain and a padlock. A cheap one, at that. You know, sometimes the Rennies of these old ones chose with the dumbest fucking people they could find. Shoddy work on their part makes for easy work on mine, comparatively speaking. I shoved a locksmith's tool into the padlock and I had it open in about five seconds and I slipped inside with no one the wiser. You know, a simple motion sensing alarm costs like 10 bucks, people. Or unpeople, whatever the fuck you call yourselves. Either the door closed behind me, I waited for my eyes to adjust to the darkness. Now, I had tried using night vision goggles just one fucking time, but come to find out, vampires do not show up on night vision equipment. That was a bad fucking experience. Something about the optics being related to refractions or mirrors or some shit. I don't fucking know. I just know that I damn near bought it that time. These are the kind of things VH Investigations exist to provide our contractors. My eyes adjusted to the very dim light. I could go into how one of the reasons my family was so well suited to this line of work because we can see preternaturally well in the dark. Pretty fucking useful if you're killing vampires, but we probably don't have time for that here at the climax of the story. And as my eyes adjusted, I could see the Connex shipping container in the middle of an otherwise empty warehouse. In the darkness, my very good eyes could read the Cyrillic letters stenciled on the side that said R.S. Putin and Sons. Hardy fucking har har, I muttered under my breath. I see you get the joke. The voice came out of nowhere. Fuck me and my big fucking mouth. It, well, he looked like a he, but as I said, that's what it wanted to look like right now, walked outside the doors of the Connex. He was wearing a bathrobe and fucking slippers, like he was about to tuck in for the night at a Marriott instead of a dirty-ass warehouse in Brooklyn. You are from VHI, yes? He didn't have an exactly Russian accent, but again, everything is an illusion with them, so he could have been speaking 17th century Russian for all I knew. It's all head games bullshit. Them's the one that pays me, I said, sliding my hand down at the 10 point. I was staring at the ground, trying to catch motion out of the corner of my eyes, and instead of looking at him, that would have leave me in a pretty shitty place if he could hold my eyes with his. Please, Peter... There is no need for that. We are just talking here. No, really we aren't, I said, stepping and darting glances around, 
feverishly trying to glimpse the form without lingering too long in any one place. But we could be. We could just talk. You have a few minutes before I need to close the doors on my little metal coffin. He sounded amused when he said it. I'm pretty sure, I said, bringing my crossbow up, that that would be a really bad idea. What if I told you everything you thought you knew is wrong? What if I told you that the people you work for were sucking more than blood from humanity? What if I told you you have nothing to lose but your chains if you just listen for a moment? I would have rolled my eyes, but that would have meant looking away from his feet. And if you can't see their eyes, you can only see where they're going by watching their feet. And I said, you know what? Spare me the DOS capital. I read it, all right? I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about who holds your leash. It moved towards me a step, so I took several steps back. I will not hurt you if you just hear me out, he said. I'm not going to lie to you. I was in a bad situation. Maybe I'd gotten cocky coming in here so soon after sunrise. Maybe I was getting sloppy in my old age. Or maybe this one had just been watching me and reading me for a long time. That, that was possible. The old ones could do shit like that. So I needed to buy time. A little something in my pocket that could even the playing field a little bit. But if I went for it now... I'd have to take the crossbow off of him, and that's likely the only thing that was holding him back. Well, sure. Yuri. You mind if I call you Yuri? We don't actually have a name for who or what you are, but you look like a Yuri to me. Why don't you just go ahead and give me your spiel and see if I can be converted? They lie to you, the others, he said, beginning to pace back and forth, never getting closer to me, but never really moving further away either. Everything they tell you is a lie. They are not your friends. Well, no shit. Soulless freaks that feast on human blood. I never consider them my BFFs, I scoff. But you know what? They pay in time and they pay in cash. So we've got a pretty solid working relationship. You truly believe that they don't kill, don't you? You honestly think... Their stories about just drinking a little blood and erasing memories is how it works. He sounded genuinely amused by this. And you actually believe that all those you've been sent to dispatch over the years were those of us who would never abide by their rules. You know, I've never really looked into it. And you won't want to know why. I don't give a shit. There's nothing your kind does that's any worse than what normal humans do on the regular. So my belief is kind of fucking irrelevant, Yuri. I can tell you about the farms where they keep hundreds of your kinds like cattle, raise them as food, how they spread madness in the poorest of your people so they become homeless and unwanted. Easier play because they wind up dead and no one is interested in finding out how they died, or how they stir up racial and religious unrest in the third world so they can use the violence to hide their hunts. None of these interests you? His tone was reasonable. It was like a parent asking a child if they really knew how the world works. Well, 
I would say that even if this were true, and I'm not saying it is, I'm not sure how that's in any way relevant to me. I laid the sarcasm on thick. Or uh, are you just, uh, what, uh, a humanitarian uh, conservationist of the human species, a misunderstood hero whose only goal is to protect the human race from the depredation of E an evil cabal of vampires. Is it that the kind of thing we're talking about here, Yuri? Or is it a Joss Whedon script thing? You got your soul back and you just want to atone for all the horrible things you've done in your long life. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie. All of us in the business pay pretty close attention to pop culture vampire media. My motivations, he almost purred are far more simple than that. They want to hurt the ones of my kind who've seen hunters like you to kill the ones like me because we will not kneel. And I can give you proof if you want it. Well, I said, taking one hand off the ten point and holding it out to my side in a gesture that said, show me what you got, and then dropped it near my side coat pocket. Then proof is what you will have. And he took a step back towards the cargo container. And that was the break that I needed. Because inside my coat pocket was something called a Dazzler Ball. It was made originally for special forces who liked to use them against people wearing night vision goggles. But it, and it was basically a bunch of very small, very bright flashlights in a ball it's kind of like a flashbang grenade without the bang, and it put out the equivalent light of a spotlight in a very short, very intense burst, and it fucked up vampires. It didn't kill them, but since their eyes are adapted only to see at night, when you turn on that many lights that fast, it fucking hurts. So I scrunched my eyes closed as hard as I could, thumbed the activator, dropped it at my feet, and dove right onto the floor. The room went intensely white. I mean, it hurt my eyes, and I had my eyes closed, and it made Yuri scream like a little bitch. When the Dazzler finally faded back down to the regular level of lights, I mean, it was like a second or two, I rolled back to my feet to find Yuri white where he ought to be, on his knees with his hands pressed into his eyes. And right now, Yuri was as blind as a, well, he couldn't see shit. Now, if this were a movie, this would be the point in time when I'd make some sort of speech, demand to know his alleged proof, you know, real hero shit. I didn't do any of that. I shot Yuri in the fucking heart with a silver tip wooden crossbow bolt at point blank range. It went through his ribs and po poked out his back, and it made Yuri scream, actually kind of louder than what he did when I popped the lights on him like that. He collapsed on his face on the concrete floor with a thick line of black blood trickling out from under him. Again, I could have made a heroic statement like in the movies. I didn't, but I could have. All I did was say, fuck you, Yuri, or whatever your name is. And I unhooked my trusty shotgun and tomahawk from my belt. I rolled Yuri over with my foot and took a good look at him for the first time. Pretty standard shit. That Nosferatu movie 
really isn't that far off on what your standard undisguised vampire actually looks like when they weren't controlling how you saw them. Because given enough time, an old one would heal even from a stake through the heart. That was what the tactical tomahawk was for. It took three good chops before the head rolled away from the body. I picked it up and carried it about 10 or 15 feet away because sometimes the old ones can do some really freaky shit so you don't take any chances. I sat it down and then decided to take a look at the cargo container just to make sure that there were no Rennies or young ones in there and even if there were, they weren't in any shape to do anything. Their sire had just recently been decapitated. But you know, it was empty. Just a few feet of dirt. Oh yeah, they don't sleep in coffins or any shit like that. They sleep in dirt. Ideally dirt from the graveyards when they were initially buried when they died. Honestly, I think it's just some spooky shit they like to do for an affectation because they can sleep in any dirt at all. They can burrow like a worm and rest out from the sunlight like that. Yuri's container didn't contain anything. No proof. No nothing. I don't know what he was going on about or what he wanted to show me. It was probably just a diversion to keep me off balance. Either way, I don't give a shit. I soaked down Yuri's body and head with gasoline, dropped a match on them, and that's the way you make sure they stay dead. Vampires burn real good when their heads are off. Don't do it when they still have their heads attached. It only makes them mad, and you don't want a flaming vampire to give you a hug. The body burned down hot and fast to just a dark black mark on the concrete floor of the warehouse. The only sign it had ever been there at all was the smell of gasoline, and the sort of greasy smell that you can only compare to a hamburger patty on a grill that drops into the coal and then burns up into a lump. As I slipped out of the warehouse, the sun was casting long shadows down the east-west streets of Canarsie. It was still way too early for anyone to be on the streets, so I opened up my trunk, shoved my gear bag in there, and I slinked back into the driver's seat of the Crown Vic. I reached under the seat, and pulled out the full bottle of Jameson that I kept there for just these post-job moments and took a deep, long pull. My hands were still shaking from the adrenaline, but that stopped in a minute or two. I pulled my phone out of my pocket, opened up my email, and sent a quick message to the firm. Two, Van Helsing Investigations. Job complete, minimal mess, no externals, Quick and clean. Please release funds on confirmation. Signed, Peter Hess. I hit sin, and I put my phone away. I sat there a little while longer before turning the key in the ignition to power on the Vic. The seat bell alert started dinging until I buckled up and the splendid table played on WNYC. Then I finished turning the key and the car rumbled to life. Well, shit. I said to myself, now I got to figure out whether anything that asshole said was actually true. I put the car in drive and started heading back to Manhattan. My ass was still hurting. And on top of that, maybe now I needed a new job. 
on Oops! The Podcast. Join me, comedian Julio Gallerati, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant, Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for its sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. VH Investigations has been an original audio fiction. Any resemblance to any persons living, dead, or undead is unintentional. It is written and performed by Dave Bledsoe. Executive produced by Kimberly Steele and produced by Gavin St. James for the Seltzer Kings Podcast Network. The show music is by Noches de Insomnio. See the show notes for a link to the YouTube page for more music. Thank you, and we hope you have enjoyed this story.